0: Your
1: hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hi, welcome to the Pop My Culture podcast. I'm Vanessa Ragland and I'm Cole Stratton, and today we've got a really big treat for you, don't we, Vanessa? Well, yes, we do. I mean, you should mention that. Uh, you know what, Cole? I just want to say that we have a great working relationship, and I don't think I've ever liked you more than I do right now. <gasps> Thank you, Vanessa. I'm going to tell you, you're so pretty oh no really you're so pretty you guys it's just me cole is not here and i'm putting words in his mouth we taped this episode at mr dante's office so we weren't together to record the intro the cat's out of the bag even though i am a magical impressionist it was me all along Um, we are going to do our thank yous and everything next episode when we're together again reunited and it feels uh, so good Um, but until then you could leave us a review on iTunes, it would be much appreciated you can go to the website popmyculturepodcast.com where we post our episodes you can get a t-shirt there, very handsome tee, or you can email us at info at popmyculturepodcast.com and we do read all the emails and try to get back to everybody so please feel free to suggest guests or just check in. Uh, Until the Next time, I'm Cole Stratton, and enjoy our guest. Uh,
0: our guest today—he's uh, a fantastic film director. He's done a m- lot of amazing things. As a child of the '80s and HBO, I can attest that I've seen both Gremlins movies a billion times, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: as well as Matinee, The Burbs, Explorers, tons of movies like that. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Dante is here. Whee!
1: God thank you, and wild. I apologize
0: for your misspent youth. <laughs> <laughs> HBO raised me, sad to say, sad to say. You
1: always say that. I feel so bad for your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I right, mean, she and did they too. had to pay for it. Yeah. That's true. That is not cheap, but folks. <laughs> That's true. Uh, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited right now. Oh, thanks. We're trying to tame our enthusiasm.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're doing a
1: good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So uh, we'll just start with this really quickly. Okay. We're kind of at this, the top of summer movie season is kicking off right now. Yep. Um, so it's a lot of uh, big films with big budgets and
1: uh, an occasional
0: script just or two. Uh,
1: <laughs> this, <laughs> this past
0: weekend, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman opened, yeah. uh, which I did get to see.
1: Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's visually very nice. I was really excited for it. We saw last year that panel um, at Comic-Con. And all the art looks so gorgeous. Girls were very excited. For yeah. Them. Boys were less excited. Yeah, that's what I Girls on the really were at the, at the panel
0: at Comic Con last year. It oh, was just man. shrieking girls.
1: Well, that's because it was tapping into Twilight.
2: Yeah, it does, so. yeah. and there and there was a, a little concern in uh, the studio because it was tracking badly with males.
1: Oh, really?
2: And they were very trepidatious about this opening, which uh, which turned out luckily for them to strong. do open very well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it did. We sort of erased the memories of Battleship, and uh, you know. For oh them.
1: man, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why they switched because they did sort of switch their the way their trailers were from the really pretty Queen stuff to more battle scenes. So mm-hmm. maybe that was for the boys. I'm sure they're trying to grab yeah. the boys.
0: Right. My biggest issue with it was, um, I I guess I don't quite understand the Kristen Stewart allure. Like she's fine, but like to say that she's one prettier than Charlize Theron. Some
2: people find her very passive. Yeah, Uh, you know, other people love that. So, uh, well, I think that's
1: the thing about the whole character that like she's so tied to now is the, in the Twilight books that is the most passive like, mm-hmm. life happening to you kind of person that it's like your her whole job is to be beautiful and allure people into like situations happening to her and I think that's kind of stayed on her as an actor I think she's a good actor I mean she's yeah, been me doing too. it
2: for so long and well the other thing I've heard about the movie which I haven't seen is that uh, some people feel that uh, Charlize Theron uh, is a little young and beautiful to be worrying yeah. <laughs> about yeah. somebody else being younger exactly.
1: and I mean, How can, how can that. you even pitch that she's got to get back in monster makeup. Well, I mean,
0: happened. the whole thing they're saying is that she's her wicked queen is like is super old. Like she just keeps stealing the youth of all these other people. So yeah. like when like she, Elizabeth Bathory you <laughs> know, <laughs> without without the without the virgin's blood. Exactly. Yeah. So there's several scenes of her like you know sucking the youth out of these other women, and then and they do a really good job with the effects to show her slightly aging for a second. Oh, I need to kind of I
1: need my fix you know, exactly, and yeah. then
0: she's beautiful Charlize Theron again. Oh. So uh, and if she's her performance is great. It's completely over the top. Up. I mean it's ridiculous, but in
1: the best possible way. It's a fairy tale, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's it's visually great. Well, I'm still that. on the girl team. I'm still gonna go see it, you can't stop me. <laughs> uh, <all laughs> right. It'll I still to be, be playing
2: this week, but yeah, I, <laughs> <feeling. laughs> I believe it'll be here for a little while. Um,
1: oh, and my other boyfriend is in that. Your other boyfriend? Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Do not tell Zach Efron, you guys, but I'm having <laughs> a lot of I'm having a lot of turmoil lately over my You're allegiances. So I know, yeah. gosh, it's, it's hard like, to be. Uh, middle class white woman these days. <laughs> that's, it's rough. It is rough. God the
0: thing that's cool about the movie too is the, the dwarves are played by these like amazing British thespes. It's like Ray Winston, Ian McShane, oh, yeah. Nick Frost, uh And did they make them smaller? They did. I don't this it seem I don't know how sounds they did it sounds expensive. Was yeah. it
1: dwarf style?
0: It was not dwarf style they did have their shoes underneath their knees
2: that would have been so a my generation that would be Jose Ferrer style there you go because he did it in, in, in Moulin Rouge but you know I was a little kid, I was a little kid when that it's
1: came had up. an evolution yeah. this art form of making people look little
2: I mean the filmmakers got some
0: grief because they didn't hire actual little people to play the yeah. roles they hired you know these yeah. massive thespians to do it but uh, I don't know I how many Peter Dinklage's are there right you know, I was going to say Peter's working he, work work you know? he could have played oh, all the he could've roles he could have played all yeah. of them that would have been People have
1: Dinklage fever right now. Bring it on. Yeah, they really do. Ooh. Me too. Pretty amazing. I know. Oh my gosh. I can't even talk I about I thought for sure they were going to kill
2: him off in Game of Thrones last week, but then this week he turned out to be okay. Oh, <laughs> Thank goodness.
1: I just walked in on <laughs> Thank watching, goodness. like, I wasn't watching it, and I walked in on it. My husband and I have this thing where he's decided to watch it without me, which is really upsetting, and I accidentally <laughs> walked into the office when he was watching it, and I saw the scary scene, and I thought he was dying, and I got so mad. I yelled at John so hard, because I was like, how could you do this to me? Like,
2: lock the door. Well, you know, Game of Thrones is an interesting proposition, because, you know, the, the uh, George R. Martin yeah. stole so much from Marion Zimmer Bradley.
1: Oh, that if you have
2: really read, you know those novels, yeah. I and mean, you see how much invention has been basically taken from them. Uh, and, and but the show, it, it, what's interesting about Game of Thrones is that I don't know anybody. Who actually knows what's going on?
1: Oh god. Because
2: no. there's all these worlds and all these people and all these relations and, and you know, and it's it's huge. All the scenes are interesting. And so you you always find yourself interested in the show, and it's beautifully produced and it's well acted. Right. Uh, but at any given moment, if you pointed and you said, Who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, no laughs> what does, does he, he yeah. do? Yeah. What does he do? Who does <laughs> he who does he work for? Uh. A lot of people just wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah. And and there's and the supernatural element, which was originally the thing that, that hooked me, you know, has been very toned down. I mean, they had the these oh, wolves. Sure that were yeah. kind of creepy and scary and supernatural and they don't, we don't see much of them. And then they had these, at the end of the last season, they had these incredibly cool baby dragons. Yeah. Right. Uh, which they have been very parsimonious with this season. Bring on the dragons. <laughs> it's like, come on. Oh, you can hear the dragons, but you can't see them. <laughs> and of course, they, they, we saw a lot of them last night because that, that was like the last episode. And that's yeah. what they always do. They go, well, but let's just throw the money let's at the last episode. Let's throw a episode. little magic at this. But unfortunately, they also added a new zombie aspect in the last Ugh. scene of the of the show which uh, it just seemed awfully desperate to me yeah I mean, it's like you don't guys don't need this you don't yeah. need zombies too everybody's got zombies I mean, you know. I mean
0: that's kind of how the show started like the very first scene of the first show was like that the weird undead horde like Killing people mm-hmm. in front of the White Wall. Oh or whatever. yeah! And I was like, "Oh, is this what this series is going to be?" Because I already watched Walking Dead. I don't really need. i kind of zombied out right
1: now. Oh, and the news, too many zombies everywhere. Yes, that's true. Keep it classy. Well, they caught Game that guy. That, oh, uh, I know that crazy. <laughs> Yeah, crazy cannibal. It's been way on my mind star. lately.
0: <laughs> and all these uh, people are
1: like, "Bring uh, on the
0: zombie apocalypse!" I'm like, "Out of all apocalypses, you don't want a zombie apocalypse." Yeah, that, that'd, that's that'd be horrible. Awful. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible way to go. Man. Give me raining frogs or floods or whatever. I don't want zombies. That's it not feels how to go. like
1: this past two weeks the news has just been littered with insanity. It,
2: it was a very very strange news like, week. It really was.
1: But because that porn started like dismembered and sent. Well, and then there was things. the guy
2: who was throwing his intestines at people. Oh, I mean, there's, you might. I did not all, hear about that. There's a lot of really t- – wait. Well, you got you to gotta read Drudge because Drudge oh. – <laughs> after you get through with the Republican propaganda, <gasps> first uh, above the fold, on the bottom is all of the sensational crap that's on the front page oh, of the tablet. Oh, my gosh. And they have every single strange uh, wait, human event. Wait,
1: intestines at someone. Yes,
2: he was ripping his intestines out and throwing
1: okay. them. Okay. He this? was throwing them. <laughs>
2: And, I mean, in fairness,
0: you have miles of that shit. So, you you that's know, right. you can just keep going. You, you can have a party. It's on, like on.
1: silly string
2: up in your guts. You saw Shaun of the Dead. You Yuck. can just pull them out like, that's just right. pull them out like sausages.
1: That's super <laughs> disturbing news, you guys.
2: Well, we're that's we're here, what, here to help. <laughs> One thing that was
0: brilliant about Shaun of the Dead was, like, it really did a great job of, like, becoming really genuinely scary in the
2: last 20 oh, minutes. it's a wonderful oh. movie. And Edgar's a great filmmaker. And he really gonna, is. He's going to make great movies. He's, he's a fabulous guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um that and like reeling.
0: yeah I I I love anything that's like uh, like it, that's an homage to genre and like does all the little trappings of it and sends it up, but then also kind of does something
2: new, which exactly is the hardest right? thing yeah. to do yep. in the most well-worn genre of all. You know, when I was a kid, the thought that horror movies would still be number one at the box office and westerns would be gone—you hmm. know—that wasn't conceivable when I was a kid. Horror movies were B movies that played at the bottom of the bill; they weren't made for much money, and they were essentially thought to be made for undiscriminating audiences, although there were exceptions. Uh, but now it's the mainstay. Of the box office, everybody who want, thinks they can make a buck makes a horror picture. I mean, Chernobyl Diaries just came out uh, right. a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and it, it, it was made for very little money and it, you, as usual, it opens okay and then it drops off. But the trick is how, how little can you spend to make them, and how much can you make initially and then there's the overseas market, which often is very good for these pictures so uh, it, it 's just so strange to me to see the, the, uh, a genre that was so derided when I was yeah. a kid and right. so not taken seriously now becoming something that grown ups. Or making you
0: know? yeah it's yeah weird. Yeah, it's weird. And then, like, it seems to me that like, and there was that whole like torture porn movement for a long time that was just these really well. You know top. how
2: many how many? Well, it started with the Fury because the grind of home movie where you blow uh, John Cassavetes gets blown up, his whole body gets blown up. You right. Know? And preceding that had been scanners where just heads blew up, <laughs> the whole body's blowing up. And then people said, "Well, there's just what else can you do? You know, what else can you do to the human body? that's, that's got to be a dead end." I got it. An and idea. then, uh. then came Saw and yep. and all those pictures and Hostel and and you know. And it There was a lot you could do to the human body, and apparently,
1: it's <laughs> human still centipede. Being done as you we can exactly. stitch it up and rip it open. I mean, the open. human centipede.
2: I mean, there is obviously. Well, where can it really go? Yeah. You know, I mean, it obviously, can't. It, it can't go into such dark kitty porn areas that, you know, the last taboo has been violated. I mean, yeah. ultimately, that that's really not a mainstream kind of thing. Right. But it, it the, the, it's very difficult to make horror pictures in this environment because the audience is so hip to everything that's happened and yeah. been made. And uh, yet they want a certain thing from their genre movies. They want certain tropes. And and Mm -hmm. if they're not there, they're disappointed. But if that's all they get... Then they go, well, you, know, you didn't give me anything new. That's why a picture like Cabin in the Woods, I was
1: just going to say, is, yeah. so,
2: is so clever because yep. it manages so to give you all of the stuff that you would expect
1: in kind of yep.
2: Plus, puts it in a different context. Yeah, that's smart. Now, the 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 downside to that is that some people who just like those kind of pictures and don't want any extra added right. value were annoyed that the picture wasn't a straight killer picture you yeah. know Wes wasn't really happening the way that they thought it was happening and they felt cheated whereas other people who en- who would have enjoyed the gag unfortunately don't want to see those kind of pictures and mm-hmm. so yeah, the movie it. didn't do as well which is unfortunate. as it should have and also it was sitting on the shelf for 3 years which didn't help you know. Oh I
1: didn't know that. Yeah, It was
2: made uh, for MGM and they went out of business and they didn't and so it, it was it was actually shot 3 years ago. That's oh why the guy, the lead guy Yeah since did yeah. Thor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you he know, another It, it one looks too. much younger in uh, Cabin in the Woods than he did in Thor. Yeah, he I says he's, he in an interview recently, it. he
0: said he was Benjamin buttoning it, because all his movies are
2: coming out, younger
0: because, <laughs> like, uh, he has that, and then also Red Dawn he made yep. at the same time with MGM. And right, he's also, also sitting on the shelf. says he's, yeah. he keeps getting younger and younger oh, as his movies come out. Which, you know, of course, like, they've got to be loving the fact that they're sitting on these Chris Hemsworth pictures. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like,
1: oh, thanks for doing your homework while, while we were out of business.
0: <laughs> but I remember, mean, I did see Cabin in the Woods the day it opened, and yeah. I don't really love... I like horror movies that are, like, more scare-based or, or more psychological and less about, like, let's cut this off and see mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. I tend to get a little, like, when the gore's over the top, I tend to be, I'm like, uh So, like, even going into Cabin in the Woods, I was like, I don't know, is this going to be too much for me? But then it totally wasn't. It <laughs> yeah. was, like... Oh, no, it's really clever. Yeah, the first frame just with, with just at the soda machine with uh, Brad Woodford and uh, Richard it's Jenkins. Genius. Oh, so uh, it's good. Like, this oh, my god, I'm going to love every moment of yeah. this movie. I just knew from that point on that I was, well, just going in knowing it was, you know, Joss Whedon and right. uh, what's his name? Uh, going into it, I just knew that it was I was in good hands, but just yeah, five. Did minutes
2: you see there. Attack the Block? I did. Yes. Very good.
1: Oh, I loved that. Very movie. good picture. Again, really another example
2: effects, of taking too. something yep. that people expect and doing giving it a twist that's completely original. And so and clever. Awesome, like, and and yeah. so nonspecific. I mean the yeah. monsters were like, Well, what did I really see? Right. What was that? You know? I mean it was just perfect.
1: And the performances in that yeah. movie like yeah. were because I'm not a big horror buffy I like dark comedies though I mean I thought that for me Cabin in the Woods was kind of the perfect mix of like everything I like about both things but I felt the same way except for even more so about Attack the Block I just loved that movie because you're really in the world of those characters so that you're not just being scared because it's like a dark room there's stakes attached Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. you care about them so much Um, man that was such a fun movie
0: I just found myself afterwards walking around going, like, best belief.
1: <laughs>
0: Doing that all the time. And plus, the the creature effects were all practical, oh, yeah, too. Yeah, I know. I
1: love that. With a
0: little A, enhancement. Little, bit of enhancement. a little enhancement yeah. later, but yeah. still great. Yeah. Really and Just cluttered. knowing that those fur balls were in the room with those guys. It's just... Woof. Like, I mean, I, I'll I'll take somebody in a suit where I might see a zipper over something <laughs> where I'm sure... Very old school. Yeah. And it's just something about feeling like that you could reach out and touch it. That yeah. it's not something that was... Either somebody well, that's a the suit. virtue
2: of doing it on the set and having you know live uh, live effects on on set as opposed to adding them later. Because there's you know actors, even good actors. It, it's uh, Brendan Fraser is one of the few actors I work with who has this talent to be able to stare into space at a fixed point and make you believe that he's actually looking at something mm. as opposed to looking past it. And um, a lot of actors can't do that, and there's a a disconnect. Even you can even see it in some of the Ray Harryhausen pictures where there's a disconnect where you, you see that the actor is not actually looking at. The monster, or vice versa. Right. But when they when there's something there to relate to, it's just it's a different experience. I mean, making the movie is different, and watching the movie is different.
1: What was your first on set
2: experience with practical effects like that? Uh, probably piranha because yeah. you know we did all that with rubber piranhas, moment you know. And of, so, uh,
1: of applause for piranha. everyone's uh, listening. We, well, was, there to was
2: no D's in it. It was just piranhas. <laughs> and, uh, it, 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 you know, we we didn't have any money, and we were yeah. we had to figure out how to make these uh, piranhas look real. Which was there wasn't really a lot of footage on piranhas because they go very fast, right. and and, uh, and so we we went down to the Olympic swing pool in, in uh, downtown LA and. Um, just got our wetsuits on and went underwater and started shooting tests with these with these fish puppets. Wow! And uh, we finally figured out when we shot them at like eight frames a second, they looked pretty good. And so we got a lot of prosthetic breasts and prosthetic limbs and stuff and had yeah, man's nibble Nibbled them <laughs> and we shot all that stuff before we even made the movie because Roger Corman decided he didn't really want to make the movie unless he thought the effects would be oh, good wow. enough to be able to justify it. So he spent the money to do the tests and then one day we sat him in a screening room and we watched all the all the footage together it was all silent footage of these like little rubber fish eating rubber <laughs> even eating pieces of it. and roger saw it was very boring to watch and and roger saw he's okay he's about to leave and he said roger why you wait don't do you want to see the breasts get eaten <laughs> and he, and he turned and he said do i have to oh <laughs> <laughs> So you got your start actually uh, being, editing for for Corman. Can yeah, I was... Uh, my friend John Davison had uh, come out from NYU to work for the company as a, in the advertising department, and he brought me out, because he and I had done a film together called The Movie Orgy, which was this mm-hmm. seven-hour compilation film on 16 millimeter. Uh, and I didn't... I'd never edited in 35. I didn't really know anything about anything except movies. And uh, so the idea was it was a sink or swim thing. I was like, come on out, see if you can do it. you know. And, and so I came out and I started making trailers, and I met Alan Arkish and we became the trailer department for New World Pictures. So wedding. awesome. Because they had people, because they, they used to hire people individually to do the trailers and then Roger would have to explain to them every time what kind of trailers he wanted. And then John said, Well, why don't you just get somebody who's here all the time and then they'll mm-hmm. know how to do the stuff. And uh, and so we became the trailer department and we, we, it was a pretty efficient uh, system because we would just see the movie, we'd take the picture into the. Um, into, into the room with the movieola and dupe some scenes and cut down a very short version of the picture. That's you know, You're know you taking a movie that's 80 minutes and you're reducing it to two and a half. And you learn an immense amount of edit, of, of filmmaking just right. by editing, just by looking at scenes and saying, wait, well, you can take out that shot and put this shot over here and you don't need that shot. Mm. So then ultimately when we got a chance to direct, we were very efficient because we had already learned a lot of things not to do right? based on watching so closely these other pictures that we were doing trailers for. And plus, it didn't hurt the fact that our first movie was shot around footage from trailers. Oh <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, you know, we didn't. We, we wanted to make a movie, and Roger said, "You can't. I don't want to. I don't. You got to make trailers. Who's going to make the trailers while you're making the movie?" We said, "Well, we'll make the movie, and we'll do the trailers at night." And he said, "Okay, but it's got to be the cheapest movie we've ever made here. Oh my god, sixty thousand dollars. That's it, and you got ten days."
1: Ten yeah. days, and, and this is and Hollywood you could, And Park? you can
2: make whatever you want. So we made, he was doing at the time a series of pictures about nurses and teachers, student teachers, student nurses, night call nurses, stuff like that. And they would, it would be three girls, and they would get in trouble and take their clothes off. And, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> well, uh, and so we, it was a formula. So we figured, well, we could do that formula with actresses, except we could set it on a movie set, which would be our movie set, so we don't have to pay for equipment or anything because it's our equipment. And uh, f- But we don't have any money for action scenes. What will we do? So we figured, well, we'll take the action scenes from the movies that we've been doing trailers for and we'll write a story around them oh, so wow. that we can use footage from jo- Philippine jungle movies and science fiction movies huh. and cowboy movies and, you know, whatever we had. And so we would dress our actors like the people in the clips. So and, smart. <laughs> we, would, we made this ridiculous movie <laughs> that it has what little story it has is just a, a way to sort of connect the different genres. And get those clothes off, and get the and get the, and have all, that, all the explosions and stuff that we couldn't afford to do for real. Nice,
1: that's, that's great. so clever. And then that's how you kind of got more of the green light to. And that's how I got Piranha, on. and Alan yeah. got Rock
2: and Roll High School. Yeah, you know, which at the time I thought was a pretty lousy trade. I thought Alan had a much better project.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and working with Corman must have been amazing because that guy can like.
2: Really churn product out on the cheap. He's, and still, fast. Doing yeah, he's, he's still, still doing it. Yeah, he's still doing it. He's still doing it. It's phenomenal. And it's you're still crazy. working with him. I worked with him a couple of years ago on a, uh, a webisode series right. called Splatter. Which we did for, again, no money. And it was sort of like being 11 years old again, going home to, you know, to your uh, family and having, and he, all this said the same coffee machine. Oh, you know, my the same, every, All the same That's, stuff. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> That's awesome, that evolution, though, to understand, like, I can do web, I can do, to understand the way media is changing. Well, what's interesting know?
2: about Roger is that, you know, he started in the early 50s mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, he, he worked in a mailroom, I think, mm-hmm. and then, and, and then he, he wrote a script and he learned about producing and, and he, he produced pictures and got involved with American. International and you know and worked his way up and went through all of these technological changes VHS and, you know and, and, and digital and now we have video on demand and yeah. you know and, and he's still working I mean, he's still yeah. making these pictures and the business is completely different yeah I mean there is no it's not a vestige left of the business that he originally got into in the fifties it's all completely changed but he's managed to adapt
1: that's insane and he has got the longest list of people and it might be because he was churning out so much that it's just your odds. Go well, on it was. And also he was
2: doing, he was always a kind of a rebel filmmaker and mm-hmm. he wasn't, he did a lot of it non-union and, um, he would get people on the way up who didn't yeah. know much. I mean, Francis Coppola was his assistant for a number of years and, um, accompanied him to Europe and, and, and made a picture there for him. And, 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 you know, it was, it was an opportunity that people just don't get. I mean, right. you know, uh, Bogdanovich and you know all yeah. these people who who you know hooked up with him at some level somewhere and then managed to get their chance because Roger was very good at recognizing people who obviously weren't going to cost him a lot of money by not knowing what to do mm-hmm. and so he would if he, if you impressed you if you impressed him he would you know, give you a shot, and, and and the shots he gave to people. I mean, it's it's a who's who of the movie business. Yeah,
0: it really is. I and mean, it wasn't like Grand Theft Auto. Ron Howard's it was Ron's first, thing. first picture,
2: and Ron had 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 agreed to star in a movie called Eat My Dust for Roger if he could direct the next <gasps> one. And Roger Ron. thought that was a pretty good deal. That's not a bad deal at all, and Ron. you deal. little bargain and, driver. And I, I cut that picture, and Ron uh, Ron did a, a terrific job. I mean, he really he had spent a lot of time while he was acting studying other directors mm-hmm. i mean he worked for a lot of really good directors don siegel and yeah. people like that and and so when he went to the mat with his own script that he wrote with his father uh the dailies were like he covered it exactly correctly i wow. mean there was no problems in cutting it it was he didn't cross the line he didn't do any of that stuff that first-time directors always do he he, he looked like it looked like a movie made by a guy who'd been making movies for years That's awesome.
0: Speaking of like his dad, Rance,
2: you use a lot. Yes, Rance and I, uh, Rance and I had a, uh, I wouldn't say a troubled relationship on the movie, Mm -hmm. but but Rance had written the script and he was very very protective Mm. of it. And so you know when you're editing a movie, you don't generally use everything that was shot. You have to try to find a way to whittle it down into like sculpting, you know. And so and 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 um, Rance had plotted the script around real locations, real roads in different places, like needles, you know, places like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I would cut, I'd make a cut, and he'd say, he'd stand over my shoulder, he go, oh, no, you can't do that. I said, why? He said, well, that, that's a dirt road, and you, that, you, you, it looks oh, like a no. paved road the way you've cut <laughs> it. And I said, well, Rance, nobody knows that but you. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I said, well, yeah, but but don't you think it's important? Oh. And, and, and so, I mean, I, I always liked Rance, but yeah. he was, it was like, oh you get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. um, Too precious. Let's but, just get to stuff. You know, but then, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I always thought he was a really good actor, and so I used him in a lot of, yeah. a lot of pictures.
0: You have a, quite a few people that have done most of your pictures, uh, like Archie Hahn and Dick Miller, of course. Yeah. It's great.
2: No, you? I've had Henry Gibson and Bob yeah. Picardo, and a, a lot of people who, Wendy Shaw, people who I, Belinda Belaski, who I like, you know, yeah. they're actors that I like and often... More often than not, there was a part for them—a good part—and an actor like Dick Miller is a guy who can play a big part in a small movie, or a little part in a big movie, or mm-hmm. a big part in a big movie. I mean, he's—he's he's one of those actors who just—he'll—he'll he'll do a, a, a one scene which is the thing. He's—he's got—he's in two Scorsese movies. I think he has one scene mm-hmm. in each. Um, he was in Pulp Fiction, but Quentin cut him out. And unfortunately, you didn't tell him until the, oh, no. the, until the, no. the, the preview or the studio or the cast and crew screening. Oh, he, man, that's, that's bad it. news I'm to get. It. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he's a survivor. Dick's been in, in zillions of movies. And he started with Roger. That's where I first saw him. And that's how you guys mind. met. Yeah. I, yeah. I, when, I, when it was time to make my first picture, I said, I want to I have Dick Miller on because i've been awesome. watching him for years in roger's pictures
0: he's amazing yeah he's one of those guys that if you don't know his name oh, no, the it's like you see name, him but all know his face yeah. you know yeah oh that guy he's mm-hmm. one of those that guys yeah. which you know is i think the biggest compliment you can pay a character actor yeah, especially absolutely. is that like if you're that guy then yeah
2: you, oh i know that, that guy. guy yeah yeah, yeah. You
0: know, like steve buscemi yeah. used good. to be that guy yes, before he, did. he before became everybody was yeah exactly um, yeah, he's fantastic. I love Dick Miller. Um, so you did, you did the howling and then I think from that, that kind of opened the door for you to do gremlins. Is is that right?
2: Uh, actually sort of in a, in an odd way, Piranha opened the door because, yeah. you know, okay. uh, Universal was not pleased that uh, we, Roger was making Piranha at the same time they were putting out Jaws too. Oh, right. And uh, there was some grumbling about an injunction, and because uh, there was another picture called Great White that they actually had an Italian film that they actually had taken off the, off the market. Oh
1: my gosh!
2: Never been released in America. Whoa! Uh, and and they were going to do the same thing with this. And, and Stephen apparently saw the movie, saw Piranha, and he said, "No, you guys don't get it. It's a spoof. It's it's fine. Yeah, you know, it's no big deal." And so the picture came out. But uh, I guess he remembered me from that. And then oh, when I wow. did The Howling, uh, he found D. Wallace for E.T. from watching The Howling. Huh. And so uh, the, he sent me a script for Gremlins uh, in the mail. And I, of course, thought it came to the wrong address. I thought. <laughs> I <can't laughs> Mr. Spielberg. i can't possibly know who I am. <laughs> uh, and it turned out that it was a writing sample that Chris Columbus had written. Um, and uh, Stephen got a hold of it. And he thought, well, this is better than a writing sample. I should make a movie. And he was thinking about opening up his own company, Amblin. Mm -hmm. uh, And he thought that the best thing to do to make a successful first picture was to do a cheap horror film. And I had been making cheap horror films. And so he had sent me this thing. And as we worked on it, it became apparent that it wasn't going to be a cheap horror film. It was going to be too hard to to do it uh, well for no money. And so he got involved with Warner Brothers. And around that time, the Twilight Zone movie was happening and I was there, so I ended up getting to do part of that. And um, I just rewatched your section last night; it's so good. That was a lot of fun. They left us completely alone. It's
1: uh, and the art direction is insane. Yeah, it's yeah. so
2: beautifully done. It was it was a lot of fun to do. I mean, I thought, gee, this is great. Big studios and yeah, and 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 uh, they leave you alone. Well, they left us alone because there had been an accident and everybody was right. sort of they like, didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to film their hands on the movie, but they still wanted to make it. And so George Miller and I got to do whatever we wanted. And we thought, Ugh. this is great. They give you all these technicians and all this stuff and they leave you alone it's uh, heaven. Yeah, we discovered that actually wasn't the way movies are really made <laughs> when we made our next pictures there um, but i realized that i had arrived in hollywood when i was shooting that picture and i was on the top of, up on the top of the set it was a couple story set and uh some grip came up to me and he said see that corner over there and i "Yeah." Said, he said errol flynn pissed in that corner <laughs> <laughs> Because I guess they had made the Seahawk on that stage because <laughs> it had a big tank on it. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I thought, wow, well, boy, I guess... I'm really here. This is Hollywood.
0: <laughs> there is something magical, especially when you are e- when you when you go on a lot or whatever. Which you know, occasionally we do when we audition for things or yeah. whatever. But it's like walking around Paramount and seeing the Billy Wilder building and things like that, where you're you're just like, oh, there's actual history. Well, there's not a lot. The,
2: there's not a lot of history left on the lots because the yeah. back lots, of, right. uh, the Paramount back lot, which is very familiar if you've seen War of the Worlds or mm-hmm. Martin and Lewis movies or whatever, it was familiar to me when I went there. It's all burned down and now rebuilt. And right. uh, the um, the Universal back lot burned down. Mm-hmm. And and they, it's been rebuilt, and it doesn't look Sad. anything like the old one. And, um, and Warner Brothers still has a lot of stuff left from the '30s. The the the, the row houses where um, James Cagney would uh, would live, those apartment buildings, mm-hmm. those are st- that, that block is still there. And their um, their town square uh, from The Music Man and Rebel Without mm-hmm. Cause, that's all still there. Nice. And um, if you if you know the lot, if you if you've seen a lot of movies and you walk around these lots, I mean, you literally can recognize. When you see a movie again, you go, right. oh, "I know where they are, they're right over there." That's where, I and and I, I'm luckily before Universal burned down, I spent a lot of time over there. And so whenever I would watch The Wolfman mm-hmm. or something, and I would see them rushing past this building, I go, "I know where that, is. You know, <laughs> I, I know where that building is." Boris called skulked in that building in the Invisible <laughs> Ray, you know. Uh, and so it's it's a little extra added bonus, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, working in Hollywood and being able to see places where there, I believe, the ghosts are still there of all those people.
0: Right. I think for me, like I moved to LA like nine years ago, I want to say my first moment of like, wow, I'm really in Hollywood. I'm really in LA was, and this is really kind of stupid, but I was over in Burbank Mm -hmm. at my buddy's house and he he lives near the burger king from back to the future where at the beginning <laughs> credits he grabs on he's on a skateboard and he grabs onto the back of a truck and goes away it's like it's just a burger king yeah. from the opening but it's the burger but it's the right. burger king <laughs> from back to the future and there's just something weird about like yes i saw the movie a bajillion times and it came out it was one of my favorite movies
2: growing yeah. up and Yeah, i know like, there was a place in burbank that just closed called the hot dog show and i had first seen it in invasion of the body snatchers and there's some cops there, and, and it was the hot dog show. And they had built another b- building around it, but I always re- remembered it was the same building. And I thought, isn't it amazing? That was 1955, and, and it's still open? Well, no, it's not still open. But, I mean, so many things just aren't there anymore. you know. And and, it's, and on this lot, this very lot that we're speaking on, this is the old Mary Pickford Douglas Fairbanks lot. Uh, it's been taken over by a new uh, organization, and they just knocked down Mary Pickford's huh? office building, and they're oh. going to build a giant glass and steel you know, office building that they'll be able to charge lots of money for people to rent and stuff. And and sooner or later, this this block that I'm on will, will go.
1: Oh, uh,
2: and it's just it's the way they and The Chinese same people on the Chinese theater, and I don't know if you've been yeah. there recently, but there have been a lot of uh, changes. Yeah, not for the better, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Well, maybe that big class
0: building will be the building from Men in Black Six or something. <laughs> or could they have a milkshake. Hiring <laughs>
1: another generation of the, <laughs> people. You never know. <laughs>
0: uh, so, um. Just to to go back to Gremlins for a second uh that's like one of the first movies I can remember that had. Outside of like Star Wars and things like that, that had a lot of merchandise built in oh, and yeah. around it.
2: Yeah, and all that merchandising happened after we started shooting because they didn't realize until they saw the rushes that Gizmo was going to be merchandisable. <gasps> oh man! And so I remember being in the, uh, in the in the screening where Gizmo comes out of his little box for the first eee. time, oh. and you could practically hear kaching kaching.
1: <laughs> said, like, oh my god!
2: And and they they did a crash course. I mean, they they had not planned to do a lot of merchandising, but they, they put it in motion and they managed to get stuff out in time for the movie. It was really a crash course. I, oh, I'd never seen it done quite so fast.
1: That was one of my favorite movies. And also, like, I saw it when I was really little, so I was really scared of it. And then it's one of the first movies I remember growing up with and I would keep watching it and it would, I would keep changing how I felt about it. Like, it got funnier as well, I got older. that's actually the you know? mark
2: of a good movie. I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, eight and a Half is a movie that I saw when I was a kid. Uh, Fellini's Eight and a yeah. Half. Right. And, yeah. and, and uh, and I it was uh, as a as a kid. It was I guess I was a teenager. I, it was phantasmagorical and interesting mm-hmm. and a lot of things on on various levels. But there were many things I just didn't get. Yeah, and right. then I I would see it again as I got older and I was more grown up. Now and I had had relationships so, and oh I understand that. And then I became a filmmaker and that was a different level of seeing. It. And it's one of those movies that it's, every filmmaker loves Eight and a Half right. because every time you see it, it's a different movie because you're different. And the business is different. And the things that have happened to you resonate in the movie. And some of them may have happened a long time ago. Some of them may be happening now while you watch it. I mean, about creative blocks and about yeah. Yeah, just all sorts of great stuff in that movie. Uh, it's it's a marvel.
1: And those are the things that make films so special in general, is that you get to bring, you know, in an ideal world, you're bringing yourself Yeah, did you notice how it?
2: cleverly I managed to compare my own movie to I loved Man. it. There you go.
1: There you go. <laughs> it was seamless. <laughs> <laughs> also, one thing
0: I, I did notice about that film, I didn't obviously didn't know then, but like a lot of the voices, I mean, Gizmo's high Mandel, but like the the Gremlins were done by like Bob Bergen and Frank Welker and all these great, yeah, uh, cartoon voice actors um, who now have done a lot
2: of Looney Tunes. And, and things you are a like big that. Chuck
1: Jones. Oh yeah, Land. and Chuck's yeah. in the
2: movie. <gasps> He's in Gremlins. He's the guy at the bar who. Uh, oh looks my at his gosh, drive. my mind is blown right now. Yeah, oh, Chuck. And Chuck was a great guy. Oh, was, uh, the closest. To mark twain of anybody I've ever met, oh I mean just, he was just an amazing guy.
1: How did you guys meet?
2: I think we must have met at uh, the Tyler Ride Film Festival because Chuck was there all mm-hmm. the time um, and we hit it off and and he did the opening titles for Greald's Two and uh, it was it was it was it was a privilege
1: I mean, you' work in Twilight and in Twilight Zone is sort of. Oh, no oh well, there's a whole bunch Everything. of Chuck stuff in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, that was, that was cool because because we were making it at Warner Brothers. We got to use the cartoon tracks.
1: Oh, that's and, so cool.
2: And um, there's a couple of sections in the movie where the cartoon tracks are supposed to be in stereo. And, of course, they never were recorded in stereo. So Jerry Goldsmith, who was doing the music, um, had to try to get a modern orchestra to play as fast <gasps> as the music that Carl Stalling had written. Oh, wow. And they would completely get lost.
1: Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It was so
2: hard for them to play. That music because it's just not that wasn't they don't make that kind of music right. anymore and and uh, it was it was they would they'd start and they they'd go off tune and it would, it would be a mess and it really took a long time to record the score.
1: Oh my gosh, that's something I that's haven't funny. thought about. Yeah.
0: And as much as I love Gremlins, I actually prefer Gremlins too. I watch that. Well, one I do too,
2: now. but only because it's more personal. I mean, Gremlins was a you know, Chris's script, and right. Someone else's idea, and and we ran with it, and and that was fun, and it, and it a lot of good things in it. But uh, the second picture was. It came to me because the studio had just been trying for years to make a sequel and they couldn't figure out what to do mm-hmm. right. and uh, they had a whole bunch of different scripts Grumman's Go to Mars Grumman's Meet Mom and Pa Kettle <laughs> and, and they just but they didn't really get the first movie so they didn't know how to make the second one Right, right. and so they said to Mike Fenell and I the producer uh, if, if you guys will guarantee that you'll finish this movie by a certain date we'll let you do whatever you want and so we thought, oh. well, what do we want to do? I mean, there's, how do you make a sequel to a movie that doesn't need a sequel? Right. And uh, we figured we'd make it about the first movie and about sequels in general and about the coming decade of the 90s, which was looking like it was going to be pretty interesting. And um, so Charlie Haas was a friend of mine. He was a writer who'd written some other pictures for some friends of mine. And, and um, we just got together in a room and hammered out a story uh, and got, managed to get them to let us make it. That's so great. And it cost three times the you know the budget of the first picture, which was probably not a good idea, <laughs> uh, especially after you're waiting five years. You know you don't usually wait five years, six years to make a sequel. You try to get them up a little quicker than that. Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> well, is there any talk now of
2: reviving the franchise? Uh, people are always asking me about yeah. it, but... I think the the problem with reviving it, is, they, they will ultimately do something, right. but, but the problem with reviving it is that the fr- the first two movies were defined by the limitations of the technology, mm. and you know that we it was basically puppetry, right? And by the time the second movie rolled around, we had figured out a lot of. Things that we didn't know the first time, and technology had changed, and now the gears that went into Gizmo's head were smaller. And right. He, we managed to figure out ways to make him walk instead of having to carry it around as he was in the first movie. We, we managed to find a way to make the grumble and talk, and and that was all great. But th- that technology is now you right. know, oh, uh, gone, and uh, it's all CGI now. And for CGI, there's no limit to what you can do, and so therefore, it's right. very difficult to sort of categorize. Well, okay, now what 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 are they going to do? What what can they do? What can't they do? Because what they do in the movies that I made is they do what they could do, right? And if we found something they could do, we did more of it.
1: Well, it's the same. <laughs> and if there was we were something that was written- horror movies, of like, well, now what? Now that we can do this in the body, like, where do you stop? Exactly.
2: Yeah. And and so I, I think it's been difficult to get a, a handle. And I know a lot of people have come in and pitched ideas right. to Warner Brothers for uh, Grumman Three, but nothing seems to have gelled yet two
0: just like it just cracks me up there's so many goofy sequences and I love John Glover in it I think his part's amazing and then just the voice of the building just (laughs) kills me it's just so funny and so good Uh, speaking of special effects you got the Oscar for special effects for inner space well I didn't get the Oscar the film did (laughs) Uh, but you got to keep it
1: (laughs) no I did not sneak in (laughs) somebody's house
0: that had to be uh, I mean it's one of my favorite movies especially growing up it's just such a good fun combination of like fantastic voyage fantasy and then, like, a romance story, and then goofy comedy because Martin Short's so gifted as a physical comedian and stuff, too. And just the tone of it. And uh, I don't know. I just, I love it. So thank you for well, that. Well, no, I, I
2: it, it, it was a movie that unfortunately did not uh, exactly set the box office on fire, uh, partly because of the title, which I don't think is very good, and we never could find a better one, and the ad campaign, which was a giant thumb with a little tiny pod on it. And he's right. was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> it looked like kind of like a copper tone head. And, um, and so people just didn't turn out for it when it first came out. But, uh, it was one of the, um, first letterbox DVDs, I think. And for some reason it just took off once it, once it hit home video. Hmm. And now it's, you know, very popular, not yeah. popular enough for me to get any money, but <laughs> popular, popular enough for people to know it. You yeah. know? Um, and, uh, and the effects are remarkably good. I mean, they're not. There's no CGI, obviously. It was too early for that. Um, but uh, Dennis Muren and his guys definitely deserve that Oscar because the the effects are. They look. They look good today. They look. They, they, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, with They them. really yeah. hold up.
0: They're fantastic. Speaking of letterbox, I worked at a video store for like ten years, and uh, mostly like in the '90s and stuff. And that's when they started to do the VHS letterbox releases. Mm-hmm. I remember that one, and like always, the Spielberg movie was one of the first ones I can remember being letterboxed, and like people were really confused by it. Who came into the store? Like, well, they, why,
2: well they, what they would say is, "Why doesn't the picture go to the top of the frame? Why, why are they cutting people's heads off? Why, yep. mm-hmm. why?" I saw the movie in the theaters, and you could see their legs, ah. and I was like, "Well, no, you couldn't." <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was, it was. It, it, the Directors Guild actually spent a lot of money uh, uh, doing a promotional. Um, effort to try to explain to people that really? when they watched movies in widescreen on TV, that they were actually getting more picture and not less picture. Uh, and now that's all kind of moot because the size of the TV screens have changed. Yeah, the uh, And no, now it's no, now it's more often now it's more likely that you're going to see an older picture with the top and the bottom cut I'm off, to, right. or yeah. stretched out, which right. is my my pet Oof. bugaboo. Every time you go to uh, a bar or in the airport or whatever, or even in a hotel room. They have a widescreen TV, and the picture is not widescreen. It's flat, but it's, it's stretched distorted. out, and everybody's yeah. fat. Uh, and my, my, my girlfriend has, has a theory that uh, people uh, – one of the reasons that there's so much obesity in America is because people look at those TVs and say, oh, <laughs> everybody looks like that. <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> I mean we are lucky in the sense
0: now that we do have – like home video now is – primarily set for the widescreen and stuff like that and then they keep remastering these prints and putting them out and like mm-hmm. I have the blu-ray for how the west was won which is magnificent even though that film is a little dull it's nice to look at mm-hmm. and well, they,
2: it's, it's a lot of fun in Cinerama I mean really they, in Cinerama they if have the Cinerama
0: thing where it stretches yeah
2: I saw that but that doesn't really approximate the no. idea every so, every so often at the dome they will run it with the three they put the three projectors back three projectors, because nice. when the dome was built it was built to show three projector uh, Cinerama but by the time they finished building it they had abandoned three-projector Cinerama and they'd Mm -hmm. gone into a single-lens system. And so nothing ever played there in three-projectors until, like, a couple of years ago. Oh,
1: wow. And
2: so they have this... this, There was this guy in Seattle who'd been saving prints because, you know, the, the prints were massive of of, of those pictures i mean it it was six frames high or something right and there were three of them and so they managed to find a a, made a good print and they ran it in stereophonic sound and when you sit there in the right spot it really is enveloping and i can see why it was an answer to 3d because it really people said well I, i don't need things coming out at me because i feel like the sides of the picture are coming out at me and they and they you know the the way those pictures were Developed was they there had to be a lot of point of view shots and a lot of shots where you moved through things Mm, and things went by you, even in the documentary Cinerama movies, and um, and it was very it was really very impressive. But by the time um, Mad Mad World came out, which was the next story picture, uh, they had just said, look, let's just shoot it and. Panavision with a wide lens, and then we'll just project it with a wide lens, and not have to worry about the three joins in oh, the middle because right. that was the problem. It was three different pictures, and they would jitter a little bit, and so you'd have to put uh, a tree on one side, and you know, a, uh-huh. a, lo- a telephone pole on the yeah. other. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was pretty interesting.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, the movie-going experience really has changed throughout the years. Like, I mean, you know, your film, Matinee, really kind of you know, plays with the William yeah. Castle kind of.
2: Yeah, when that picture came out, which, again, another movie that nobody went to see, but when the people who did go to see it brought their kids because it, I saw a lot of people bringing their kids and saying, this is how, this is how daddy and mommy used to go to the movies.
1: Oh, that's you know? amazing.
2: Um, I mean, imagine a theater that only has one screen. Huh. What's with yeah.
1: that? <laughs> we can't handle that in this day and age. <laughs>
0: it's it's funny to me too that like I mean, I still go to the movies all the time, even yeah. though it drives me crazy half the time because people just like People texting, people Ooh. on their phones. You've no, like, you better get used
2: to it. It's yeah. I know. There's yeah, no way around to stay. it.
0: They did some survey that's like they asked teenagers or something if they would prefer to be able to text during movies. Some like eighty-five percent said they would. They they hate that they can't
2: or that they I know they don't. I, I brought my my niece was out here when she was uh, I think sixteen or seventeen, and uh, she was <laughs> in the movies and she's and I, she's got. Or the thing, they don't text in the movie. It's rude. Okay, so she puts it under her coat, stares at the screen, and continues texting oh. because she can do it. They, they can do it like braille.
1: Whoa! No, yeah, they
2: crazy. don't have to look at it anymore.
1: Oh my gosh!
2: And texting is an amazing thing. I mean, you get three girls in a room, and they'll text each other, and two will text about the other one. <laughs> <I>
1: mean, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. We've <laughs> got it's new so ways weird. to backstab, ladies. <laughs> But it just
0: Ugh. it it and also it's like and I don't have kids yet, but um, it, there's something weird to me about the fact that my kids will never know the concept of going out to rent a video.
2: Um, yeah. No, they certainly will not know that. Not at There'll all. There'll be plenty of other things they won't know either, like what a typewriter is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but like that well, used we to always in here
1: and I saw the VHS player and I got this like string of nostalgia. I know. Like, I know. Oh, I like do it's have. Not I because
2: yeah, well, you know, but the VHS again. Although there are places that are trying to keep it alive. Yeah. But, you know, they don't make the players anymore. Right. So the, And I, I started collecting movies in 16 millimeter. And, Man. you know, that was the, the non-theatrical yeah. uh, experience. And, and they made lots of 16 prints for armies and hospitals. And and now they don't make the projectors anymore. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't make the prints, but they also right. don't make the projectors. So this big market of people who were 16 millimeter film collectors had to figure out, okay, I've got to buy enough RCA parts to last me the rest of my life oh my On this gosh. projector And bulbs They don't make the bulbs anymore Whoa. So where are you going to go To get bulbs When your bulb goes out That's I,
1: so stressful
2: And it's, that's what happens When technologies change yeah. Did you
1: do it? Did you stock up?
2: I did But now I, I, the, the video revolution I'm afraid has overcome me Even Because, well, oh. yeah, because oh. the 16s or They're often TV prints. They're usually yeah. kind of battered. They, uh, they have splices. They have scratches. Right. You have to rewind them. There's a whole, but on, And a lot of the DVDs, most of the DVDs, are taken from pristine elements, right. much closer to the original negative than the 16s are. Yeah. And they have better sound. And, and you, just press, and you press a button and they play. <laughs> you know? and, and you uh, can
1: text your friend while you're pressing them.
2: And on the downside, the, uh, it's not a storage medium you you can't right. expect that your dvds are going to last forever yeah. but 16 gets this thing called vinegar syndrome Ooh. which is that the film just starts to decompose and this is safety film hmm. and you can't we can't run it and you got to take it away from the other prints or else they'll catch it uh and i have a you know a lot of pictures in 35 and 16 that we have to just sadly throw away oh that's so sad you can't run them anymore. so much yeah
0: i remember like when we my dad bought our first VCR, I think, like in 1982 or something. It was one of the first ones, and it was one of the. It was like $1,200 then.
1: Oh my! And it God. was oh, like the
2: tapes were like a hundred.
0: Oh yeah, hundred bucks was the retail. The, the
1: daddy rolls big. It was like a top,
0: it was like one of those top loaders that when you rewound a oh, yeah. tape, it sounded like an aircraft carrier getting oh, yeah. ready. Yeah, it was like the loudest thing mm-hmm. in the world. But it was like. You no it was, am- it was amazing thing. Amazing. It was amazing
2: of course it was. I mean it was very impressive. I, I listen I remember, I'm I'm so old that I remember when we didn't have a television. Too older than you think uh, and we didn't have a television you, had a, you used to listen to the radio now we actually used to watch the radio we'd sit and the, the, the radio had a big speaker and you'd sit and you'd stare at it and you'd imagine whatever you know was going on in your head what's and an imagination it, well no it was yeah. it was, it was, I'll, it was. I'll text you about it later it was okay, a good. cool medium but um, it, it sort of lived in people's cars for a while radio mm-hmm. you know that kind of radio dramatic radio uh, but then when the when the TV came which had a little round screen like like a washing machine mm-hmm. you know um, and there were only, I think there were four or five channels basically. Uh, and they went off at a certain point, but they had old movies, which, you know, was cool. Right. And, uh, that's where I saw stuff like robot monster and things mm. that, you know, were, I never was going to see anywhere else. And old Westerns. Cause my grandfather was a big old Western fan and he would always say, that's Kincaid. He owns the railroad. Was like, it was <laughs> always every picture. There was a guy in Kincaid, he always owned the railroad. Um, and then we got a bigger TV uh, because it was, you know, you could get a bigger TV. Right. And, th- and then we then TV broke and we didn't have any money and we didn't get it fixed. And I had polio and, I, and the Disneyland TV Ooh. show was coming on. And I was this huge Disney freak when I was a kid. All kids in the 50s were Disney freaks. And this was a TV show that was going to be on every Sunday. And I had to beg my parents to take me, carry me literally across the street. To somebody else's oh house. Oh my God. To wow. watch Disneyland.
1: I have polio. Just kidding. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I know. They it's a good excuse. No, no, it's it's yes, it's not bad. It's
0: not bad.
2: <laughs> my son wants to come in and watch your show, and he's got polio. You know? <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't so good because people thought polio was contagious. <laughs> oh no! And it was a very, very scary time because people said, "Did you play? Did your son play with him? Don't ever let him play oh with him because he's got he's got
1: just he's let, let got me the in. Box. Just let me watch Disney." <laughs>
2: But then TV became much more uh, accepted. Everybody had a yeah. TV, and then when you went to school, everybody watched TV and talked about it the next day, and it was very communal, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that was because there weren't that many channels. Now, where everybody's got their own channel, right? Uh, you, the, the, that shared experience is really not—it's not, uh, it's it's not the same. To, I mean, yeah, we would watch the Twilight Zone on yeah. Friday night, and on Monday, everybody would talk about the Twilight Zone, right? You know, or Thriller, or whatever—Outer yeah. Limits, whatever show you know was on, and. Uh, and it was something that everybody had in common. But now, you know, I mean, Celebrity Apprentice, I guess people have that in common. Right. I don't because yeah. I don't watch that crap. <laughs> but um, it's, it's different. And, and and you can now go to places and there's niche channels where you can watch old movies. Not many, God knows, yeah. but a few. Uh, and, and that's a little corner of the world. Yeah. But for the most part, people don't get exposed to movies the way they were when i was a kid i mean we knew right. all sorts of movies because we just turn on the tv and there they'd be right mm-hmm. you know and, and 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 there was the early show the late show the late late show you know and it was it, movies were cheap fodder to stick in between the commercials right and so in the shock theater with all the old yeah. horror with pictures that nobody had ever seen before and never really knew about they had to read about them in famous monsters mm. you know um and that was a great way to grow up because you learned so much stuff but now Today's kids not only don't have any interest in these movies; they don't really know they exist, right? right because yeah. I mean, how many you know, fifteen-year-olds watch Turner Classic movies? Probably not very many. Yeah. And so there's no way that they're going to even be accidentally exposed to these things unless they get taught in school or in class, you know? Uh, and or have
1: that uncle or, that or have person. an uncle. Yeah. Somebody says here, you know, right. here's, yeah. here's,
2: here, these two guys, Abbott and Costello, we thought yeah. they were funny, you know, right? And and, and because otherwise they're not going to know. Um, which is why I started my website.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: Trailers from Hell, let's talk health. about so that, awesome, which is a yeah. really cool site. There's a bunch of old trailers up there, and you get a bunch of gurus, as you call them, to to comment on them. How did that how thing did that? Well, thing they're started?
2: basically friends of mine. Now, but right. uh, I had a lot of tra- – I was you know, made trailers and so I collected a lot of trailers. I had a lot of 35-millimeter trailers, and they were in my vault, and I thought – I'm not doing anybody any good here. Do you really have a vault? I do have a vault. Oh my and god! The man, and the man, like like like, uh, like Uncle Scrooge, <laughs> yeah, except there's no money in it. the Disney vault, uh, just full of yeah. Beauty and the Beast. And uh, it, it basically, it was like, well, I, the internet was new, and right. I said, well, maybe we could put them on the internet. And I thought, well, anybody could do that. What, what, what would be, what would make it different? And I thought, oh, I know, I'll, I'll do a couple of commentaries. I'll like talk about the movie while the trailer's on. And um, so I did like five of them in my back room and and put them up on the on I don't know YouTube I suppose or somewhere. And uh, you know it didn't didn't exactly set the world on fire. But then some friends of mine saw and said, Oh, that's you know, I have a couple of pictures I'd like to talk about. And it sort of grew slowly into this sort of network of people who are writers, directors, producers, makeup people, all kinds of behind the scenes people. Um, who all decided that they had things they wanted to say about movies that they like. So they pick – everyone picks their Everybody own movie? Everybody picks their own movie. Oh, that's great. And we never tell them what to say. They can like it. They can not like it. They can – as long as it's accurate. As long yeah. As I, we, and I always edit it to take out anything they say that's wrong. But, mm. um, and so we've got like over 750 of these things up there. And they're like little mini film schools. I mean you can, you can really turn on somebody to a movie by running on this little three-minute – um, advertising film, basically, because yeah. they're all trailers. They're supposed to sell them, right? Um, and uh, you can introduce people to stars, to directors, to to genres, to kinds of movies that you would never know existed. I mean, one of our more popular uh, bromides is movies you never heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three trailers a week, and there's always a little theme. And we've done uh, several movies you never heard of, and and there are movies that you really haven't heard of, right. but they're yeah. really pretty good movies, and they're and they're available. That's the amazing thing. There are more movies available to see now than there have ever been in the history of motion pictures. Yep. Yeah, it's you fantastic. Know, obviously, like, obviously yeah. not silence because most of them are gone. Right. But but the the Warner Archive yep. particularly mm-hmm. and, and and the Sony people and the Universal people have gone back into the vaults and taken things that ordinarily they really would just sit on. And they realize that there's a market for it, and they put the stuff out, and it's there, and you can get right. it on Netflix. You can get it in any you know any number of ways.
1: The Roku box has tons of that stuff too. I but mean, you've got to know everywhere. what it is. Yeah. If yep. it's
2: just a list of titles, right. it doesn't mean anything. No, I, no I mean, yeah. somebody's got to curate it, and somebody's got to say, "Look, these are the ones that you should pay attention right. to." Right. Uh, and so you know, we're uh, we're actually uh, going to start a Kickstarter campaign pretty soon. Oh, nice. oh that's going, awesome! Because uh, we've been doing it for I don't know since 2007 now and uh, funding it all ourselves. Right. And we figured, well, if we're going to really go over the top and try to get some publicity, yeah. you know, uh, we should get some money. So, that's a great. So idea. I think we're going to try that next week.
0: It's really cool. Everybody should check it out. It's trailersfromhell.com It's yeah. amazing. It's full. It's of- funny
1: and smart, and it gets it makes you excited about movies because everybody. I mean, that was exciting to hear that everyone picks their own, but you do feel like everybody is so into what they're talking about yeah. that you can just yeah. watch them back to back. Like
2: you can. No, you can spend. You can spend. Yeah, you can spend an hour or so. Yeah, uh, which is really fun. That's true. <laughs> well, our
0: uh, our first question this week oh, yeah, sort of ties into that. that. Uh, we do a different first question every podcast. This one is: What was the first three D movie you ever saw, and what? Did you think about it at the time. Is this a question that you ask everybody? We ask a, different, a first different first question, first. like the first movies oh, on the theater, yeah. the first. Oh, first we first once
2: um, my first uh, 3D movie was, it came from outer space. Um, and it came in a period of my life where I used to go to the Saturday matinee, watch the 10 cartoons, and then leave. Because the movie would come on, and the movie had grown-ups and women, yeah, and, 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 you know, <laughs> it, was so and it was like, why don't want to see that stuff. And uh, then I stayed one day for that picture because it was in 3D, and I came out thinking, these movies with the grown-ups sometimes can be pretty good. <laughs> and so I became um, a, a movie fan, I mean, the biggest movie fan in my neighborhood, and wow. I was there every Saturday. And sometimes on Sunday, because the, the bills changed in those days—Wednesday mm-hmm. to Saturday, Sunday through Tuesday—and uh, and all the movies in the fifties were basically suitable for kids. I mean, they may have yeah. been boring for kids, but there was nothing really unsuitable. It wasn't like you're going to see anybody left nipple, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I would just—I just became a movie buff. I was particularly big on science fiction and westerns and you know action pictures i wasn't crazy about series pictures like roy rogers because mm-hmm. you always knew that roy was going to be okay right. <laughs> right yeah and it was i never felt there was any suspense whereas if i saw an audie murphy movie he might get shot at least you know mm-hmm. right um, but, you. <laughs> but roy never got nothing bad ever happened to roy um and it was and there were double features and there were 10 cartoons so i mean you couldn't go wrong 25 cents to get oh, in yeah, not Gosh. Bad. first boy and girl in line get in free so you start lining up really early
1: Elbow uh, out the and elbow if one. you if you mm-hmm. did
2: get in free, you had your quarter that you could now spend on
1: <gasps> candy, on
2: ten cent popcorn, and five cent
1: candy. Oh my gosh! So As think about a, of, you're of a, a quarter. You could get
2: five things. Oh my go. gosh! It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Take in fact, me if the movie wasn't if the movie wasn't really that interesting, I would spend a great deal of time roaming the halls looking for dropped nickels
1: oh my gosh yeah, Why not? for what you lost There you go. no just in
2: case I might find if I, I could get something else if I found another coin that's know. right what, what about you Vanessa what was your first 3D movie
1: well I was a big cartoon fan my uncle is big um Warner Brothers Chuck Jones fanatic and he took me to some matinee I, I wish I knew what it was there was a little theater where I lived in Tennessee that would do these Saturday morning cartoons like mm-hmm. kind of throwbacks and um there was a 3D one it was like you put the glasses on you take the glasses off and I don't remember what Was it Bugs Bunny? I I think there was Taz in it, too. I think there was Tasmanian Devil. I just remember that, like... Because I've looked it up to try to see, what was that? I don't know if it was something the theater did. There were just, like, four moments where you put your glasses on. But it was so exciting to me because I had... My parents were not, like... Pushing forward, technically, at all. We just had a black and white TV, so it was like these had been in everybody color had a black and three D. My neighbors did it, and they always brought it up. Rachel, yeah, but, <laughs> but
2: when I was a kid, they obviously you had to be rich to have a color TV, right? And everybody had black and white. But um, the uh, there was a product that they sold called oh God. I can't remember what it was called, but it was it was a it was a piece of um, plastic, and it had. Green, a green oh, no. strip on the bottom,
1: like a, delving- a pink
2: strip in the middle, <laughs> and a blue strip on top. And it wasn't a strip; it was sort of graded.
1: Oh, nice!
2: And the idea was, you would—they had a picture of the guys in bonanza on horses, and they would use this to sell. And you put your piece of. <laughs> stuff over it and it would and the sky would become blue Whoa. the bottom would become green and the oh, horses wow. would become brown <laughs> and it was that was color tv <laughs> color tv for only 25 cents or whatever it was yeah. That's amazing um, and
1: you always know what colors you're going to get there's exactly. nothing confusing Everything
2: about always, it. <laughs> and every big close-ups people had <laughs> blue, <striped> blue, <laughs> hair. blue hair a
1: little gray, uh, green stubble Jimmy
0: Stewart doesn't look like I remember him uh I think for me it was it was a it was shown on television in the early 80s. I don't know what it was called. It was something like The Mask or The Mask of Frankenstein or something. Something like that. But the idea is they sold the 3D glasses at 7-Eleven. Um, so, and it was one of those things where like when the, whenever this character put this mask oh, on. Oh, it was called The Mask. Was it The Mask? That's and, what it is. And okay.
2: it, was, it was in – red. It, the reason it was on TV is because of red and blue 3D. Yeah. Now, real 3D is projected pol- with Polaroids you know, on two different projectors. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's currently the way it's done in theaters. But uh, in the old days, the comic book 3D
0: yeah, it was would that be kind. red
2: and green, and you'd have these glasses, and they would one would filter out the other color, and they was always bleed through, and it really kind of didn't work all that well. But The Mask was a movie that came out in, the, in 1961 after the 3D phase was well over, and they called it Depth of Dimension. There you huh. go. And the idea was that every time the guy in the picture put on his mask in, in, in a in – a, it was generally a pretty boring movie, but it has these cool dream sequences. Mm-hmm. When you put the
0: mask on, it was fun. The rest and when you, you put the mask
2: fun. on, it, the 3D se- dream sequences would come you know, and then they'd say, take the mask off.
0: That's exactly what it, it was. You know. And I just remember like sitting up and thinking it was the coolest thing ever because you know, I'd never seen anything like that
2: yeah. at that point.
1: And you got to go to 7-Eleven.
0: Yeah, because I got a slurpee out of it, too. <laughs> Not amazing. too shabby. <laughs> All right, let's just do my questions really quick in the the okay. years. i okay. will we'll be out of here. Um, I'm going to give you five questions about your own projects, some trivia. Let's see how well you... Are, these, would... are these hard? I think you'll be. Oh, okay. I think you'll be way good on this. Uh, question one: You directed the original Piranha, which was loosely remade a few years ago. Uh, Doctor Robert Hoke, played by the great Kevin McCarthy, was the lead scientist of a defunct Vietnam War project to breed killer piranhas called what? Operation Razor Teeth. Ding. You're going to be gold on these. Yeah. Got I this. can't believe I remember that. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> by the way, is oh, a, Kevin was, uh, was great, so good, great guy, so good. Uh, question two: You directed matinee, a loving homage to classic B movies and the movie-going experience. In addition to the movie *Mant*, there's a film within a film that's a reference to kind of Disney color comedies. What is it called? *The
2: Shook Up Shopping Cart*, starring Naomi Watts. Yeah, then <laughs> I know Naomi. That's so. You're really good. Yeah, you're nearly. That was fun. Uh, question three: You directed
0: several segments of the goofy comedy *Amazon Women on the Moon*, along with five other directors. Name them.
2: Ah. Uh. uh one of them got one of the one of the guys got cut out i think um carl gottlieb was yep. one um john landis yeah uh, bob um bob uh, wait a minute Ooh. bob um i just saw him the other night i can't believe i can't remember um we we'll anyway, cut this part out he did he did <laughs> he, no he, he did the amazon woman thing which is incredibly accurate yeah um Bob Weiss. Yes. Yeah, Bob Weiss. There you go. Uh, and uh, Robert uh, 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 Peter Horton. Peter yeah. Horton. There you go. But Absolutely. Peter did a long uh, episode called The Unknown Soldier, which got cut out. I, it may be on the new DVD. I think it might be, yeah. Because Dick Miller's part got cut out as well, and that's on mm. the DVD. That's uh, just a sidebar.
0: My uh, The first time I watched that, my wife was watching it with me. For some reason, the line, there goes my lunch, and the lunch pail flies up to the thing. <laughs> She laughed for like twenty minutes. She couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. It was like it's- you know when
2: that picture came out. They only made seven prints.
0: Really? <gasps> yes.
1: What? <Wow. laughs> oh my gosh! That, that is movie insane. cracks
0: me. And it's it didn't just so come funny. out until like a year or two after it was shot. <sighs> David Allen Greer... Like, his best thing he's ever done. It is a very funny. so funny. funny. It really is funny. Uh, and the bullshit or not, all the Henry Silva stuff <laughs> yeah. is so funny. But well,
2: nobody gets the joke anymore because the joke is that Henry Silva looks somewhat like Jack Palance, who was the host of the <laughs> Believe It or Not TV show. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, it's it's like Shakespeare. You know, you have to get annotated. To right.
1: A little <laughs> <laughs> we'll reference here, reference there. <laughs> all
0: right, question four. You directed the action figure war comedy Small Soldiers. The commando elite
2: fight against the Gorgonites, who are voiced by whom? Uh, the Gorgonites are voiced by the, uh, the guys from Spinal Tap. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Oh, and then, of so course, the Commando Elite were the Dirty were,
2: dozen. Well, They were the Dirty Dozen, except for Trini Lopez, who actually did a, his voice thing, and it, it wasn't quite good enough to use, and so we had to get Bruce Stern to come in and replace him.
1: Not gotcha. a bad replacement for anyone. <laughs>
2: no, but he wasn't one of the Dirty Dozen, so it kind of killed the joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: question five. Uh, you directed the classic critter comedy Gremlins. You reference your own film, The Howling, in Should Gremlins. These be questions about other people's movies. I know, right? <laughs>
1: sometimes uh, people don't remember. Sometimes people about don't themselves. remember stuff. It's funny. Uh,
0: you reference your own film, The Howling, in Gremlins by placing what image on a refrigerator
2: door? Oh, a smiley face. There you go. That was the smelliest refrigerator. You know, there's <laughs> no, there was no electricity on the set, and so there was actual food in the refrigerator. And when you opened it, it was the oh, terrible, terrible smell. So no. Next time you see the movie, remember that kid. <laughs> well, a, that kid is really cool. active. Yeah, they
0: should, he should do a release in smell of vision have little cars that they scratch. No, and
1: thank you. Uh, all right, Vanessa. <laughs> These are my questions. I'll be fast. They're, they're very kind different. Of, yeah, they're not like Cole's. Have you ever met an Olsen twin?
2: No, but I once met uh, Jack Larson, who played Jimmy Olsen.
1: Well, <laughs> <go>. <laughs> that's a stone's throw away. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take what, what I can get. <laughs> okay, now this is a... An, Uh, One you have to use your imagination on. You've angered an ogre and must live as some abomination or monster from one of your favorite classic horror movies.
2: Who do you sentence yourself to live as? I have to be a monster?
1: Mm -hmm. Or just an abomination, like something
2: bad. Well, if there's an abomination and there's a monster, there's two different things. Those you get to
1: make a choice between them.
2: Well, some monsters are nice. (laughs) The monster (laughs) in Beauty and the Beast is nice.
1: Oh, you would pick him?
2: I didn't say that. I just said it was
1: nice. It's not as manly of a choice. Though. Uh, I don't know. It's
2: just because you has got frills, you know. I mean, yeah. obviously a heterosexual. Nice uh, I, uh, a, I, who, who would I want to be if I was a monster?
1: Well, if you got sentenced, it's supposed to be a punishment. So, oh, it it's a, be. so, I,
2: so I have to suffer. Right. Well, I guess the wolfman because he suffers the most.
1: Oh, and he's – that is a very manly one.
2: <laughs> With all the hair and yeah. <laughs> So much testosterone. <laughs>
1: okay. Now, here's another scenario. You're given Coney Island for the weekend – crispin glover meryl streep and a truckload of irregular muppets you're asked to make a horror
2: film what do you do <laughs> coney island coney island
1: meryl streep crispin glover and a bunch of muppets
2: put them all on the roller coaster mount the camera and just keep Let
0: shooting it,
1: rip. <laughs> <laughs> it would
0: become a horror
2: movie like the 30th oh time
1: meryl
0: streep's going back and forth on that roller coaster Everyone's just like
1: throwing up and throwing up oh that's a sad movie okay You walk into a house, and the kid upstairs has creepy telekinesis. The middle floor is full of mogwai, and the basement has piranhas. Where do you set up camp?
2: Well, certainly not in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) one down. (laughs) Um, Well, if if I'm on good terms with the mogwais, which I probably would since I've gotten them whatever dime they've ever made— their uh, life I, that would probably be the place to go. I think that would
0: be really nice, <laughs> as long as there's no water leakage or thing. no. That's in the basement. That's in the basement. Yeah, sure. They
2: do not keep out of the basement. Keep
0: the out of the basement.
2: There's little your bastards. movie,
0: Gremlins Three. Keep the Mogwai out of the basement.
1: <laughs> um, okay, and this is the last question. Would you rather be able to create your total dream movie, so it can be any budget, any actors, anything, but you only get to share it with 20 people your whole life, or direct someone else's vision and have it be a commercial success?
2: Well, at this point, I could use the money, <laughs> uh, but this first one sounds attractive.
1: Yeah, yeah. wouldn't that be tough? I practically to know already you couldn't done share? that. <laughs> <laughs> done, done, and done. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah my
0: pleasure. Thanks a lot. People should definitely check out trailers from hell. at dot yep. com. Um, also, trailers from hell on. It's on Twitter. Yep. As you it's are on as Twitter, well.
2: it's on Blinks. It's on. YouTube. It's ubiquitous. Google right. it. Uh,
1: Google they can it.
0: follow you on Twitter. It's just at Joe Dante. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa. Ratlin. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.